0: To another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, hosted by me, Robbie Earle, and by my good longtime dear friend from work, Kyle Sconewell. Kyle, welcome back.
1: Wait, Robbie, Robbie, I think we have Yes, that's right, we have breaking news right now. Breaking news <laughs> coming across the Friends from Work desk.
0: Do you have your hands to your ears right now? <laughs>
1: Do you want to know the truth? I really legitimately did, but nobody can see me. I really was touching my ear. <laughs> oh my goodness. We did it, Robbie. We did it. Yes. Wow. I'm in such a good mood. We finally broke the streak. We are recording on Tuesday night. And guess what happened? 11 minutes before we started <laughs> The She-Hulk trailer release. Incredible. Yes, that's right. Before we started recording, not 11 minutes after we finished <laughs> recording. So we, get, we can finally talk She-Hulk while it's fresh on our minds.
0: Man. We did it. It's been, it's been trending positive, right? Because it used to always be as soon as we recorded, the trailer came out. And then like around Spider-Man No Way Home, we had a trailer drop mid-episode. So we've been moving in the right direction. And <laughs> now we're finally on the right side of this thing.
1: I'm also just fired up about life because we had a great friends from work meeting just like 10 minutes ago. So I am like all in on friends from work and all in on She-Hulk right now. Let's dive into this thing. Can we just start with She-Hulk?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Being a superhero is a trial by fire. Who's going to protect the world if not people like you? I'm Jennifer Walters. I'm a lawyer. I have great friends. Can we get some shots, please? It's an emergency. A demanding job. We just started a superhuman law
1: division, and I want you to be the face of it.
0: And a frustrating family. Cuz we didn't ask for this, but you still gotta deal with it. Your transformations are triggered by anger and fear. Those are like the baseline of any woman just existing. Oh. Bruce! I kind of feels like if I don't transform, I'm gonna die. Ah! Yes, yes, yes. No, no. I just want to be a normal, anonymous lawyer. Can you tell us where She-Hulk is? Jen, you're a story now. Girl, your ass looks
1: crazy right now.
0: You could be an Avenger. Oh, I'm not a superhero. That is for billionaires and narcissists and adult orphans for some reason.
1: My first question to you is, <laughs> is this already confirmed to be taking place during the blip? Yes or no?
0: So that's that's an interesting question. I don't think it's been confirmed. I was looking at the official synopsis that came out. One of a, a few synopses that Marvel released, we'll circle back to that after our She-Hulk discussion. And it doesn't say specifically when it takes place. Read it to me. Um, here's the synopsis: She-Hulk, attorney at law, follows Jennifer Walters as she navigates the complicated life of a single thirty-something attorney. That sounds familiar, except not single. Who also <laughs> happens to be a green, six foot seven inch, six foot three, superpowered Hulk. The There's nine episode series,
1: nothing alike, <laughs> other than. <laughs> You're a lawyer. That's the only thing you have in hey, common. You're 30 not big. Something you're not a girl. Lawyer, you're
0: not green. <laughs> 30-something lawyer. We're both six foot something. All right. Look, I, I'm gonna take what I can get here. Okay, sorry. The Did nine, you say episode nine episodes series. <gasps> yeah. How about that? The nine episode series welcomes a host of MCU vets, including Mark Ruffalo, as Smart Hulk, Tim Roth as Emil Blonsky slash the abomination, and Benedict Wong as Wong. Of course. The man is ruling phase four right now. He <laughs> yes. Absolutely dominating it. The cast also includes Ginger Gonzaga, Joss Segarra, Jamila Jamil, John Bass, and Renee Elise Goldsberry, who I'm a big fan of. Folks that are Hamilton fans will recognize her from that. It's directed by Kate Carrow. Someone correct me on the pronunciation there. And a new Valia, so this is another kind of split directing team, like we had with Moon Knight and Hawkeye. Valia, Valia, again, people correct me if you can. And Jessica Gao is the head writer here,
1: Madam Gao.
0: Yeah, Madam Gao coming on as head writer, <laughs> coming back from the shadows, uh, from that from that dark endless pit, <laughs> so, uh, to uh, produce She Hulk.
1: <laughs> so, do you know why I asked the first question that I asked?
0: I do. Uh, Because we are looking at a Hulk in this trailer that does not have a sling on.
1: Correct. And where in the timeline? Because we saw Bruce as Bruce in the Shang-Chi credits. Right. So that's fascinating. And then I started thinking we see Abomination, but we also see Tim Roth not as Abomination, So it just kind of makes me wonder, could this be happening during the blip? Hulk hasn't injured his arm yet. He's figured out how to turn into Smart Hulk. And he's helping Uh trying to train the next era, not knowing what's coming. Right? Is this possible? And maybe he finds a way to tame Abomination or at least get Abomination under control, which is why he now fights in cage matches for money with Wong as, like, a
0: friendly. Right. Right. Which I also love that that's one facet of the show that I, I'm really interested in is the superhuman law component. One, I love, for obvious reasons, how much they're leaning into her as a lawyer because uh, that is a big part of the character in the comics. And I really like the way they're doing that because, like, what an interesting character to, to rehabilitate... In universe and like on a meta level, you know, to to kind of bring back interest in Blonsky. I'm such a big Tim Roth fan that I was always a little bummed, sort of like Rachel McAdams, honestly, that I I thought he was kind of off the table. And that's one of the reasons I was so happy with Multiverse of Madness for giving her a lot of room again to to really play in this universe. And I feel similarly about Roth. Like I'm. I'm happy to see them working back in. And what a fun thing, like a, a lawyer coming in to deal with this kind of like murky gray area of supervillain world. And that sort of dovetailing with the gamma side, I think is like, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that, by that premise.
1: We're definitely gonna need a MCU lawyer team up at some point. I mean, with Jessica Jones, yeah. Daredevil, and now She-Hulk, I need it in my life.
0: Although Jessica Jones is a PI, you know, okay. I've like.
1: But you know what I wait, mean. She does not, it's not have the lo- JD. It's a law team up, I should say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but yes, Matthew Murdoch, Jennifer Walters, Robbie Earl, MCU lawyer team up. Absolutely. <laughs> on board with you there.
1: You include yourself. Good uh, for you.
0: I do. I do need to, I do need to say if that is what happens in terms of this taking place during the blip, that was one of my bold 2022 predictions from a couple months back. That that this would be a a mid blip series, and that it would maybe show us the the Hulk to Smart Hulk transformation Hmm. that we didn't see. So I don't I don't know if that's going to be the case, but we are getting like we're getting shots of what looks like the the Gamma Lab that Bruce talks about spending however many months in. So I think seems that that would be a way to show that. Like, I wonder, you know, the trend right now has been to, at least in the six-episode series, to open up the fourth episode with a, like, flashback introducing one of the side characters or giving some additional background. Like, if you think back to Loki, we got that with Sylvie. And then in Hawkeye, we got that with Yelena. So I could see a world in which, you know, it kind of goes back and gives us some Bruce context before we then dive into that same process that we kind of saw glimpses of with Jennifer.
1: Well, and Bruce is narrating the beginning of this trailer. I'm just really excited to spend more time with Bruce too. Like, I don't want to forget that he's out there as a character. So I kind of love that we're checking back in on him.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean... In terms of that, this was kind of—I was really into this trailer in terms of the the world-building side, like the superhuman law stuff we covered. But yeah, like just enough Bruce Banner Hulk where he doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't feel like a hand-wavy cameo, sort of like what Rhodey was uh, in Falcon Winter Soldier, where it's just going to be like, here's a famous Avengers guy. Okay, bye. It's going to be like actual involvement, and then like we talked about with Blonsky, but also. I really like how much personality we're getting from the She-Hulk side of this trailer. Like, we're really seeing <laughs> how they're setting this character up to be a unique right. story. I like um, the part when Bruce <laughs>
1: says, take. your transformations are triggered by anger and fear. <laughs> and she's like, that's pretty much the baseline <laughs> for any woman just existing. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty I, funny line.
0: Man, I do think, like, they're really leaning into her being like a single thirty something, which I think is fun. Like we've we've mm-hmm. talked about Marvel exploring new genres and Miss Marvel being a good example of that, like on the younger side of a demographic. And I oh, like right. that it seems like they're really not afraid to lean like this is this is already just from the trailer, looking to be probably one of the more like sexual Marvel projects. Scandalous. Uh, just because not a lot of them, like we've talked about that, have really leaned into that uh which is why like that very non-controversial scene in Eternals actually garnered headlines. So I think it's interesting how much of a focus her like dating life was here and then obviously that last scene where she's like carrying that guy into her bedroom.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to lean into it for sure.
0: I I will say I loved the vibe. I think it looks fun and funny and kind of wacky in the ways that I I like. I saw murmurs of this online, and I agree that the CGI looks a little off to me. mm mm-hmm. um, And it just makes me... A couple things on that, and then I want to hear your thoughts. One, I'm not freaking out because there's still a couple months for them to touch that stuff up, which, you know, as we know from No Way Home, visual effects artists are working on this stuff kind of down to the wire and sometimes after the release. So I think we should kind of withhold judgment until we see an episode, but two, I just, I I can't help but wonder why not, why not use makeup or prosthetics primarily? And then CG, like the, her, her height, you know, like maybe bulk her up some, but in a way that's a little bit more subtle. Like I'm thinking because they're they're obviously going for her to just look the same but green, right? So I'm like, why not just use the same kind of makeup process you're using for like Gamora and Nebula and then kind of CG around to kind of bulk her up as needed. And I feel like that would look so much more natural and you don't always need to, you know, you can use like Lord of the Rings filming tricks. You don't always even have to CG the height side of it. Like if you're, Zooming in, right, you can just kind of mess with the angles. Vision is
1: another example.
0: Yes, yeah, another great example. Uh, and I don't know if that's a budget thing. I know, you know, that's why oftentimes things wind up being CGI'd, but what were your thoughts on, on that side of it?
1: Yeah, without You're the sounding, resident CGI. I guy. know, it, without sounding like I'm beating a dead horse. I've been a little bit disappointed in the CGI in general in Phase 4. And like I said, with the Hawkeye bridge scene, do you remember when I complained about that, the background of a bridge? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you could have just gone to a bridge and filmed it. Um right. Like, go through the process of giving her prosthetics and makeup, and then I totally agree. Pump in a little bit of CGI after that. But this is becoming a trend, and it's a trend I don't love. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. So I yeah. don't – like, I don't know if they just – yeah, want to save time or they want to save money or they just err on that side and they think eventually they'll get such good CGI that it won't matter. Or maybe the actors and actresses don't want to be in all that makeup so they can act better and like better show their emotions. Maybe it was restricting to do that, maybe. But you're right, Gamora has proven that's not the case. Drax. Yeah, so I just... It's probably a director thing. It's probably a budget thing. And I don't love it. I love the MCU. I don't love it. And it's gotten to a point now with phase four where I can't believe I'm even saying this, but you kind of just look past it. Like I'm excited for the story and I'm excited to see where this character goes, but I kind of just go, okay, like on the visual department. I wish there was a show that put a huge part of their budget into making it look like the best show on television. I want to see one where it's like, holy crap, this is the coolest looking thing. Like, I don't want to have this discussion every time. I've had this discussion with Falcon Winter Soldier. I had this discussion with Hawkeye and most recently a little bit with Moon Knight. And I just don't want to talk about it anymore because I'm becoming like the the grumpy CGI guy. And that's not who I am for sure.
0: I'm passionate, excitement guy. And, and there, there's there been some talk about No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. And in fairness, you know, yeah. we've talked about how I don't have the trained eye there, but I haven't noticed it in the films nearly as much as, as in the shows or heard you talk about the films as much as the shows.
1: Definitely. It's better in the films, 100%. But I also see what they're saying. You can find little things in Doctor Strange that look a little off. I just don't yeah. remember feeling yeah. that way with Infinity War. I've told you that there's one shot, literally one second in Infinity War that I was like, oh, that looked weird. I've told you that, right? On Titan, when Thanos like trips the Guardians with the Power Stone and they all kind of like fall to the ground. And that's the only scene I can ever remember where I'm like, this feels a little off. I just don't remember it being ever a question. So let's not, let's not rant on this though, because I'm super pumped today and I don't want to spend 10 minutes on a negative thing. If that's all right. No,
0: no, 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 no. I think it's just the reason I ask that is because, you know, there are realistic considerations there in like Marvel can stand to put a ton of money into a movie because they're going to get a ton of return on that. And I think that, you know, I could understand them feeling like they have limits on what they can do in terms of shooting on scene versus having to do CGI and then how much they can put into CGI on a Disney plus show. So that's why I raised that versus the films because I, you know, I, and and then you can ask like, well, should, you know, should they be working in a way that allows uh, for kind of top tier quality CGI stuff? But regardless, I, I guess I'm saying, I could see where that would be more of a, more of a factor that they have to consider. Cause I just don't know how much revenue Moon Knight brings in, for instance. Like, I don't know how many people are going to go subscribe to Disney Plus to watch Moon Knight that weren't already subscribed to Disney Plus.
1: Uh, True, but on the business side, Netflix is showing what happens when you don't constantly keep the content coming out. True. So it's, it's weird because, like, people aren't necessarily going to Disney Plus just for Moon Knight, or at least not very many. But if they don't constantly keep content coming out, people will start unsubscribing. <laughs> so it's just kind of a weird, to keep that yeah. built-in revenue, they have to keep pumping content out.
0: Well, and to finish off that conversation, I do think it's it's going to be interesting just as the Disney Plus era progresses to kind of track the budget of these shows versus these like astronomical budgets for Game of Thrones by the end of it. Like I, I bring that up only because like, one of the things I, I've always thought was was interesting about Game of Thrones is by the end there were complaints primarily about the writing um, and some of the like big picture things, but by the end like the visuals were incredible. Like they had locked in like straight up movie like top tier level visuals, and I feel like I haven't really heard anybody debate that. But I also know that, like, each episode of, like, those final, at least the final season had, like, an action movie level budget, you know? You
1: you know what would legitimately be fun? We need to have an actual visual effects artist on here, not someone from Marvel. I just want to ask somebody who's a pro at this stuff all these questions. Like, I want to ask them, if it looks a little off, is that a director choice? Is that a budget thing? Is that that they weren't capable of making it feel real? Is it just that they didn't want the prosthetics to be limiting? You know what I'm saying? I want to ask somebody that. Yeah. Just because that'd be a fun conversation. We've talked about it so much now for a year and a half. It'd be kind of interesting.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. If if you're listening and you yeah, are that true. person or know that person, <laughs> reach uh, out to Let us, us know. <laughs> um,
1: do you know, is it 9 episodes of 25 minutes or nine episodes of 45 minutes.
0: Yeah, I think that's the question. Okay. Um you don't know. I I don't know, but part of me just because of the vibe could see it being more
1: Shorter like WandaVision. Yeah.
0: Ask yeah, cuz it seems like they're kind of going for like the like, not sitcom in the way WandaVision was, but a little bit right. of the like, how I met your mother kind of right.
1: thing. Right. I was going to say almost friends ish minus the group, but yeah, it has right. that feel. <laughs> uh, I think right. it's going to be shorter episodes too. I have a hard time believing that this would be the first show that they choose nine 45 minute episodes, but we'll see.
0: But I, you know, I think I, I think I prefer ultimately. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll eat my words, but I, I remember, <laughs> I remember a long time ago uh, one of my good friends asked me if I would rather like my favorite artist put out a like 12 or 15 song album of like three-minute songs or like an eight or ten song album of like five-minute songs, which I think is kind of a an interesting thought experiment because I could see arguments for both sides, and that's I'm talking about that here because like, I can see the case for a longer episode, particularly when you're dealing with, like, a straight drama. But I also kind of like the idea of having more installments, like, more chances to, to like, come back and get to know this character and feel like you're living with her for a longer period of time, I think would be nice. Like, I feel like the... Part of the problem with the, the six-episode thing is it's kind of like a blink and it's over, like, uh, process. Like, I I feel like we start covering a show and then a month and a half goes by really, really quickly, especially when they release two episodes in the first week. Um, So what I like here is even if they do that, then we would still have, you know, eight weeks to kind of live in She-Hulk world. And I think that sounds fun.
1: By two other notes, you know, regarding your thought of making her a separate character, from Bruce and Hulk. Mm-hmm. I like that they're just hitting us over the head with it, with the actual writing on the trailer. It's like, you're going to like her when she's angry, <laughs> which I kind of like. Right. You know, you're you not going to like me when I'm angry.
0: I also liked her comment about, no, 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 I'm not a superhero. That's only exactly. for billionaires and narcissists and weirdly adult orphans. <laughs>
1: that was my other point. I laughed out loud twice in this trailer. One with that that line earlier I mentioned, and then that one. <laughs> adult orphans for some weird reason. But yeah, I like it. I'm excited to see it. Like you said earlier, I love that they're leaning into the single thirties lawyer mm-hmm. living in a city thing. Just cause like you said, we haven't had that. If nothing else, it's going to be different and creative, which is what I'm always asking for. So
0: I, yeah, you know, I think something that we maybe haven't explicitly said on the show, but that I think is worth saying is how much phase four is kind of performing two jobs. Like it, it's it's acting as a phase four, but it's also kind of acting as a phase one. But a lot of the 2022 projects specifically, more so even than the 2021 ones, I think are really pushing those boundaries in terms of, of kind of setting a new scope. Like it, it, if you think back to phase one, now it seems really safe. And now we kind of talk about that being a formula that Marvel's broken out of. But I think if you look at what it was then, like if you just look at the original Avengers that we that we saw in Phase 1, all of those franchises were arguably different genres, right? Like Captain America was a war movie. Thor was a fantasy movie. And Iron Man was kind of the like grounded kind of sci-fi, but but like – fairly realistic action movie and yes though again those are all like quote unquote safe in retrospect but I think that this is sort of in the same spirit where they're kind of continuing to cast out lines and I think that it's important for us to keep that in mind because we talk we compare phase four a lot to phase three but I do think it's more fair right to compare it to phase one
1: yeah You know what I was thinking about in the shower the other day? Kind of related. So this is amazing you just brought this up. This was like pre the She-Hulk trailer, all this. I think an argument could be made that every entry that we've gotten into the MCU this far kind of needed to happen at the time it was. I was thinking about will the Avengers movie, the first one, age like super well. We just had the 10-year anniversary of that film. And I was thinking about, you know, going back to last week's episode, will that age well 10 years from now when it's 20 years old, when it's 30 years old. And I was just thinking about even the movies that aren't great. (laughs) I'm kind of thankful that it all led to this point. Now we needed kind of a classic, somewhat cheesy team up Avengers movie at the time we got it, you know, like it blew my mind at that time after all those individual films that you were just talking about you know, but then we've talked about this before. Like we needed phase two. We needed to lead towards age of Ultron where the the team was operating full function to set up what was coming, you know? And then we needed those entries early in phase three with civil war and black Panther to better lead us towards what happens at the end of phase three. And I love that now phase four, you're right. It feels more like phase one where it's kind of like we're, coming back to where we started with new bold swings that we're not sure how perfectly they fit in the long term, but we're praising them for taking big swings, for taking chances and for being really creative with new characters and new storylines, which is by the way, what we wanted them to do post end game, right? We didn't want them to immediately right. build into a new villain like Thanos of that level. Right. And they're doing that. And so, yeah. I'm just fascinated to see how Phase Four closes out, and I think we're going to look back and be grateful for all these different genres being kind of what we needed or what we wanted at the time
0: no i that's yeah, that's a good word because i I do think that it's such a great time for them to do this stuff like i think i I think all the time about what you what you said about your reaction to Guardians 2 in the theaters uh, and, and, the you know, the quality and the other things we've talked about Guardians 2 aside, your primary frustration at the time was that your head was in, like, build towards the end of the Infinity Saga mode. And because Guardians 1 had had a good bit of Thanos you were kind of going into guardians Two, thinking we were moving that along. And I remember thinking that too. Like I remember thinking guardians two was going to be the thing that kind of got the guardians to earth.
1: There was exactly, there was no connection to the grounded earth at the time. There was no connection to the infinity stones or Thanos other than one line. So I remember being like, wait, like why are we making this movie that has nothing to do with everything else we're working on?
0: Right. And, And so I think you're right. Like it, the, the problem there is timing. And I think you could argue a similar thing about the release of Black Widow that we've already talked about before. Um, and it's more obvious there even. But I think that the, the flip side of that is, yeah, like we're at a point now where we've gotten some really good reflection projects that also kind of move the ball forward. But now, yeah, it's an opportunity to just cast a lot of lines out. And I do think that you know, there are these conversations that we've had on this podcast that other people are having about whether Marvel's quality control is slipping. And I think that's a fair conversation to have, but I also think it's a kind of complicated question when on the one hand, like we're demanding variety and we're demanding a certain level of experimentalism and boldness from this franchise. And then I think at the same time, we're really quick, uh, we being just sort of like culture as a whole, I guess, to then criticize a movie that we feel does that too much um, or in a way that like doesn't quite feel to our liking or a show, right? And so I, I don't know. I think I'm not criticizing people for having those issues. Like I, again, we talked about this on the podcast a couple months ago. Like there are things in phase four that have kind of like set off my, my quality control alarms in a way that most things in phase three didn't. But at the same time, uh, there are things in phase four that are pushing some boundaries that things right. in phase three didn't.
1: Right. And it's so important to remember it's coming after phase three. That is such a good word. If we were comparing this to phase one, in my opinion, phase four is killing phase one. Oh, yeah. Quality-wise. Right. So that's interesting. But, yeah, when it's coming off what we view as the golden era of Phase 3, those questions start arising, and it's a little bit different of a discussion. By the way, you also inspired an interesting thought. What projects in the MCU would you say had bad timing of the release? You were bringing that up, and right away my brain went to four projects off the top of my head, and I might be missing one. Right away I think about Black Widow, having poor timing.
0: I bet we're going to have the same four here.
1: Captain Marvel, having uh-huh. poor timing. Hawkeye, I would maybe argue. Like, think about a oh, Hawkeye. interesting. Well, because I was thinking, like, if Hawkeye had released, like, a Christmas before Spider-Man, I don't even think, one, some of the limelight wouldn't be stolen by Spider-Man. But two, you wouldn't even be asking, why are they not connected? I don't know. That's maybe a project that comes to my head that could have benefited from a different holiday season. Hmm. And b- by the way, obviously I'm aware that they couldn't have done it the year before. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in the, in the Canon.
0: Right. Right.
1: And lastly, guardians two probably had guardians two come out like pretty close mm-hmm. to guardians. One would we have felt the same if we weren't ramping up as much? Probably not.
0: Yeah. It felt side side mission. Like you always say, um, I, So I would actually, I might be missing some. Well, I would, instead of Hawkeye, I think put far from home in that list.
1: Oh, oh yes. So that's five for me then for different reasons for that one. Not because in the story they did anything wrong, right? That's not a plot thing in the MCU for me. It's just that as fans, we wanted more time, right? Like the the story itself is doing exactly what I want it to do.
0: Well, and, and, you know, like, I think one of the interesting things as I kind of go back through rewatches. and, And I always have to remember, you know, this is the point of a rewatch, right? Is that we can kind of construct our own narrative. And that's why we enjoy that so much and what started this whole podcast in a way. But I still think sometimes, like. I mean, I think it, it happened in the right way, right? Like, what the it, the build from Infinity War to Endgame was epic and incredible and resulted in the biggest movie of all time. And it, all of, I mean, Phase 3 was just in, an incredible run building to that. But there are times where I just, I wish that had we had the, the time and the space and, you know, not COVID, <laughs> uh, could... Could we have had Infinity War, and then had like a two-year break? I'm not saying that these are problems, but ideally, the two eras that I that I feel like I would like to have spent more time in are one that Civil War era, which Black Widow really right. helped a lot with, yep. Um, and and also that kind of like Age of Ultron two Civil War era, sort of the early Phase Three. But then also, like, I just think one of the things that excites me about She-Hulk to kind of bring it full circle is, like, yeah, like, let's let's maybe have some projects that, that take place during that time period. Okay. The only problem is watch order-wise that gets complicated because that, like, it, it doesn't, it's not like the blip happens at Infinity War and then Endgame picks up five years later. You have that time there in the right. middle. Uh, this is me getting very in the weeds. But well, I'm just saying, like... There are, like, I thought about this when you said Hawkeye because I do wish, like, I do think that that's a character that was underserved in Endgame on some level in that, like, I just, I've never connected to the Mm -hmm. Mm moments with Clint in the way that I think I'm supposed to. The first scene? And I I wish Mm. that some of the stuff from the Hawkeye series that we had had that prior. And I think, again, it can do like the rogue one work that we've talked about forever now, but that's some of the other stuff where I'm like, sometimes I feel like we hit a point where it was like full steam ahead. We were running out of time. They were needing to like finish this stuff up with the folks who con whose contracts were, were running out like R D J and Chris Evans and just get that the infinity cycle wrapped and then they've been able to, like, go back, right, and flesh out stuff with, like, WandaVision Episode eight and Black Widow and Hawkeye of, like, filling in some of these gaps, which is great. And I totally understand why they did it that way. And it was probably the best, like, to do it that way, right? Because, like, I'm saying with the pacing of Infinity War and a year later Endgame. But I do just wonder, like, had we not been in that kind of rush there at the end to go from Civil War 2016 to... Infinity War 2018 and Endgame 2019. Could we have had Black Widow come out in 2017? You know, could we have, like, taken the time to breathe for a second and live in these dysfunctional moments without resolve? And, like, how epic would the Infinity War cliffhanger had been if the next time we saw the Avengers, like, wasn't it being fixed? You know, like if it was like if we sat in that for a while and saw like Clint kind of go down this path without knowing the the like hindsight of redemption. Uh, so that, that that's like my big thought on the the timing question, which is a, a, obviously a Robbie rant style answer. But I feel sometimes like at the very end they were a little bit in a rush to close that story out.
1: Okay, we have some big announcements and some more Friends from Work news, and some more MCU news that happened this week. So don't go away. We'll get into that after a quick word from these sponsors. (music) All right, a couple of things here. One, I wanted to also tell people about Epic Hero Shop. You've heard us talk about them over the last few weeks on this podcast, and I'm excited about it today because I just received... In the mail, Robbie, my Wakanda Claw hard seltzer (laughs) shirt is part of their upcoming fun summer series. And you got a shirt, too. And I know our manager, Pete, got one. All different varieties of fun takes on summer drinks mixed with the MCU stuff. So it's kind of fun. So check out EpicHeroShop.com. And you may see me wearing some Epic Hero Shop gear when we have our screening of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness this yes. Saturday in Austin, Texas. So one last call for anyone out there. I think we have like eight or nine seats left. If you want to join us and you live in the Austin, Texas area, as a reminder, hit us up on our website, theffwpodcast.com and message us and you can come hang out with us on Saturday, May 21, this Saturday in Austin, Texas, and watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness for free. Plus, we're trying to plan some other fun things. So bring your Epic Hero Shop gear to that. Go to epicheroshop.com, and you can use our promo code, friendsfromwork, to save 15%. And we'll see you at a Cinemark XD theater this Saturday in Austin, Texas, 7 p.m. Email us for more information. Yes. Also, Robbie, courtesy of our friends at Cinemark, who are just the absolute best at this point, We have two final $50 gift cards that I have to give away. And so we're giving those to Jeff Hudak, Hudak, Hudak and EB on Twitter. His name is Evan underscore RB. Congratulations. All
0: right. All right.
1: $50 gift card coming your way. I will DM you if you're listening to this or DM me. So Cinemark, Epic Hero Shop, and we'll see you this Saturday. If you live in Texas, Robbie, Robbie, Didn't we have a few more MCU news things as well?
0: We did. Uh, Yeah, so talking about timing, actually, uh, we got a quote from Samuel L. Jackson today about secret invasion Mm. that seems to confirm that at least part of secret invasion deals with events taking place during the blip. Oh, interesting. So the quote is, there are things that even I really didn't know about Nick Fury that I just found out. The minds behind what happened during the blip are fantastic. That's part of what we're uncovering when we do this series now. So that's kind of intriguing.
1: Very intriguing.
0: Because obviously Nick Fury was dusted. (laughs) So it can't all take place during the blip. But... I, I like that they're mining that because like I, what a great project to explore that with because I think one of the big things I've been a little nervous about with the MCU adaptation of Secret Invasion is that they're not, that they wouldn't give it the room to breathe that I think it needs. Something I've, I've said that I think I'll probably say whenever we cover that in the comics corner is that the Secret Invasion event is sort of unique because it's not actually the event itself that was so great that I think made it so memorable. It was the build-up to it. Like the fact that there were years and years of Bendis putting in little hints of things being off before you finally had the big reveal of the first scroll. And, and it was like the, the clicking into place after all of these clues that people were trying to make sense of. And I'm not saying that, again, ever, that things have to be the way they are in the comics. But I'm just saying that is part of the power of a story like that. And so I kind of like the idea that if it is taking place in the present, that it kind of has threads going back all the way to the the blip, at least. Mm. Mm. So... That Secret Invasion. By the way, I'm super excited for that. Super excited for a lot of the stuff coming up on the Comics Corner side that we'll talk about in a few weeks. But another big announcement from today, uh, we got the official synopsis also for Echo and a release year, at least. So Echo is coming out in 2023 at some point. Um, You pointed out to me, I, I think it also began production... Yeah. This week. I read that. Um, Just a little excerpt of the synopsis here. Streaming exclusively on Disney, the origin story of Echo revisits Maya Lopez, whose ruthless behavior in New York City catches up with her and her hometown. She must face her past, reconnect with her Native American roots, and embrace the meaning of family and community if she ever hopes to move forward.
1: I have one singular request for this show as of right now. I'll have a lot more as we get closer. I just kind of hope that they bring back a little bit of that grit from Kingpin and Vincent D'Onofrio. That's what I want. I want a little bit of that terror back from Daredevil. When we first were covering that, I hadn't seen Daredevil yet. And now I would like that.
0: I, yeah, I would also like weirdly, the converse of, of that that we also got in Daredevil. Like, I would like to see the kind of tenderness that he shows to Vanessa, but oh. more on, like, a fatherly side towards Vanessa. Echo.
1: Vanessa. Because
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of what makes the character so interesting, is it's like he's really soft in certain ways in the Daredevil series. And and again, you know, we can get into the Hawkeye stuff. I think Vincent D'Onofrio, from listening to interviews, had fun Playing into the kind of '60s Ramita era cartoonish side of Kingpin and Hawkeye, and I get that that's what they were going for, and that kind of fit with the vibe. But I do, I do kind of feel like I undercut some of that, e- even with Echo. Like I felt like that final conversation he has with her there, it it just didn't it didn't feel like the. I don't know. It, it didn't ring true. It felt like so overtly manipulative in a way where, like, I want I want Fisk to be so good at manipulating people that you that you Can't kind of fall for doing it, it. If that makes sense, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yep. So I would like to see that. Like, I would like to see if this is an origin story, kind of how they came to be. But I already know Maya's going to be great too. So oh, I'm not yeah, worried about yeah. that
1: part of it. I just hope they can find that, that mesh.
0: Yep. My question for you, whenever it says origin story, do you think that like how much of that refers to pre Hawkeye and how much of that refers to post Hawkeye? Like, do they mean her origin and that like, this is her becoming a hero after the events of Hawkeye yes. or do you think they mean origin like leading into Hawkeye?
1: No. And I think they shouldn't have typed it that way, probably. That's my guess because we did get a chance to go back and see her as like a child and right. kind of grow up. So I feel like we've gotten her origin in that way. Maybe they're just meaning a more complete version of where she goes from here. Slash yeah, I mean, it, is a little bit of her origin becoming a superhero because she starts off that show that's in right. a tough family. So, yeah. Because it is.
0: I mean, it talks about her reconnecting with her Native American roots and, and her mm. past catching up with her. So I bet it's a post-Hawkeye, she leaves New York and kind of has a a solo journey situation, mm. which will maybe be both, actually, because I think if she kind of re- returns to a hometown, that's kind of a surefire classic TV film way of of kind of moving the ball forward while also mining A character's past. Uh, One more sort of news item that's more in the rumor camp. So this is where we would play our rumor alert uh, audio (laughs) cue that we don't have have yet. (laughs) 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 Um, But uh, there is a rumor going around.
1: Rumor alert. Rumor alert. Rumor (laughs) (laughs) alert.
0: That a live action Captain Carter project is in development at Marvel Studios.
1: I have mixed feelings on this. Do you know why I have mixed feelings on it?
0: Um, is it because of the kind of multiversal side?
1: Bingo. We've been doing this too long. Dang it. <laughs> I actually thought, and this is a quick spoiler alert here for Doctor Strange. I'm going to give you a second to pause this, to fast forward a few seconds, whatever. Because um, I'm going to say something. If you haven't seen Doctor Strange, it won't matter. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I thought she was awesome in Doctor Strange. Like that was such a cool reveal. I thought Mm -hmm. she looked really dope and badass. And I actually thought her fighting, although brief, was pretty cool. And I definitely am intrigued to see more of that character. But by nature, I'm a little bit reserved because it's kind of breaking one of my rules. Which is that we know in the 616 universe, as it's deemed... She's not there. There was no Captain Carter. It became Captain America and Peggy Carter. And so this makes me think that this story has to be taking place in another universe. And that's just starting a slope that I just, you know that, I don't want to go down. Like I Right. That feels slippery to me where it's like, so we're just going to start telling all kinds of random stories and always just explain it by saying, oh, it's a different universe version. Like in Doctor Strange, I was okay with it because- like we said before, he's kind of just visiting it and it's like, oh, right. this is so cool in this. But like I don't now want a full Illuminati movie that only takes place in a different multiverse and they're not crossing right. over. Like that just – think about the can of worms that opens. For everyone who thinks I'm like a sourpuss about that, think about the can of worms that opens. You're going to start just making ridiculous stories and explaining everything at that point. So that's where I'm like,
0: huh one i kind of have mixed feelings as as well like i said and, and i think for similar reasons look i'm a i am a, have really enjoyed the captain carter stuff I, i've really enjoyed just haley atwell in general as a character and, and i think what if was perfect i think the what if to doctor strange connection was really perfect and for us to kind of get a, a live action version of that i I'm I'm just a little torn because I think the character's getting such a following that it's giving me like a little bit of Miles Morales, Marvel Comics PTSD, like I've talked about here before multiple times, where what I don't want to happen is because there's a fan connection to that character, rightly, because it's a good character, for Marvel to then be like, you know what, like, this is a good thing. We don't have Steve Rogers anymore. Let's just bring on Captain Carter into the main universe, let her play with all the other heroes and then everybody wins just because I I don't know like that that's when I start to have the, yep. the alerts go off that you've been having where I'm like, okay, that is like I don't want to play that game. like I don't want to start bringing in other people into our main universe really like with a few exceptions like we can talk about, the ways that I think that could work for, like, the Fantastic Four specifically.
1: Mm But,
0: like, that would be a very, like, I would need that to be a very isolated thing that I think could serve the story. But I don't want it to be a, like, okay, for the next, whatever, 10 years, we're in this multiversal phase where we meet all these different characters and then we just pick the ones that resonated with the audiences the most and bring them into the main MCU and move forward Yep. I just don't, that was my least favorite part of Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars. And people know how mm-hmm. much I loved that whole run and that event. And I really think that the Marvel Comics universe and Marvel Comics in general is worse for it, for that particular side of it. Yep. Um, and I think that that would be a, a wrong decision.
1: As I'm listening to you talk, you're swaying me. I've gone from mixed to, yeah, I just don't want it to be true. I don't want it to happen. And that's no slight on Haley Atwell or the character. The character's awesome, but yeah, it can't happen.
0: <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, and you know, we've been proven wrong before, and I'm always happy to be proven wrong.
1: I see what you're saying too with like the Fantastic Four, there's probably a very story specific way they could do it, like very right. specific. But yeah, I don't want to start. I, I don't want to get down, I don't want to go down this road of like, huh, we like. Nightcrawler from this one version. So have him jump from his universe to six one six. And right. I like how Jennifer Lawrence played mystique. So let's bring her really quick, but you know what? I don't really like Michael Fassbender. So we're not going to bring Magneto. Like this just starts up really dumb. Yeah, That's dumb. Like, I don't want to do that.
0: No. And that's why, like, I think that multiverse of madness did that well to the extent that that's kind of it, you know, like,
1: Yeah, exactly. I also think even with the Fantastic Four, there's an argument to be made that why can't we just go forward from this point on? Like, why couldn't they just right now today have Reed Richards, like, start rising to power and building the Baxter building? Like, why can't we start now? Why do we have to have said that they're around? So it feels like you have three options. Start it now, say they're around, or say they were around in a different multiverse and pull them in. But even that, I'm like, Maybe we just start fresh.
0: Yeah. Which like right I think now. I would be happy with with either. I think the reason I would be okay with it with the Fantastic Four is f- for a reason you kind of previewed, which is like they are known within the Marvel comics as being both kind of celebrities and being like interdimensional travelers. Like they're sort of explorers more than, like in the okay. same way that the Avengers are like almost like military-esque, you know? Like yeah. the the Fantastic Four are like, these family of of adventurers they're, and explorers. They're less and so, fighters. Yeah. So this idea that they, like, found their way in another reality, to me, would make sense character-wise, sure. and sure. it would make sense why they're suddenly, like, super famous.
1: But specific right? if they like show to up. that story, though. Specific right. to
0: that one. Like, it would make... Yeah, exactly. Like, but to your point, I would not in the least bit be upset if they found a way... To, you know, convincingly and compellingly have them have just originated in the MCU 616. Sure. I think the only thing for me is I just don't want a young Reed Richards. That's the only, the only issue for me there is I don't want them to give us a Miles Teller Reed. I want a, a middle-aged Reed that's been around the block.
1: Okay, but couldn't they do that still? They could still do that where, like, oh yeah, in yeah, his, like, for 30s, sure. he started working on it, but it's not a celebrity thing yet, right? And so maybe he started at the beginning of the blip, and that's, like, five years ago, and he was growing it and growing the backstory. And now it's a big business, but we're just now tuning in, right? Couldn't they do it, something like that? Right.
0: I mean, Oh, yeah, and you could even play with the uh, with the Snap, right, and, yeah, and right. use some of that kind of cosmic energy stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe that's where he's like, oh, my gosh, this is a new event. We need to start this company. And by the way, there's a tech vacuum in the MCU right now, 616, so it could True. fit perfectly. Like I've said before, also Norman Osborn could start right now, and I think it'd be
0: perfect. Oscorp, come on.
1: The 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 worst case for me is that they go, oh, by the way, the Fantastic Four have actually been here since 1985, and they have their powers and their celebrities. We just didn't talk about them yet. <laughs> we just forgot to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
0: the worst for, case sure. for me. Yeah, they were they were just like out. Uh, look, other other planets had problems too, and they didn't have you guys.
1: <laughs> you you know your tr- trigger uh, warning, trigger warning. You I know, know, I know what know, you're know. doing right now. You,
0: uh, <laughs> oh. I. Uh, I'm with you. I think the reason that Fantastic Four I would be okay with is because of the very, very specific history and role of those characters. I do think that, like, the thing, like, Captain Carter is not that kind of character, right? Like, to the extent Captain Carter is a Captain America analog, that character doesn't thrive by being dimension hopping. Like, part of the beauty of that one scene in Endgame that we talked about in our episode is this idea that for the first time cap is leaving the planet, you know, like he's because he is this guy from the early 20th century. Like that's not his role. And it kind of makes that more powerful and it makes the portal scene more powerful or the moment before the portal scene. So it's bringing in other people that don't have that role. And I think that like, there's a good chance Deadpool will probably take us down that, down that road as well. So we'll have to kind of figure out that side of things, but there's a lot to. There's a lot coming. Lot to talk about. Most all of it super exciting. Big, uh, big week in Friends from Work. Big week in the MCU. So that is our update for what's happening this week. Um, I'm sure somehow as we release this, there will be like another trailer that <laughs> drops. Um, but also, we do have our Doctor Strange screening happening this weekend. Yeah. And following that we'll have our Doctor Strange reflection episode where we kind of get to go back and really delve into it. That first episode was more our kind of initial reaction. Kyle and I have gotten to see it again since, and we'll get to see it one more time. So we're excited for that.
1: We've also seen your questions, so we'll get to a lot of those.
0: Yes. So
1: yeah, big, big week coming here. We'll see you for the screening in Austin, Texas on Saturday. Then we're going to be recording our follow-up episode for next week, Thursday. I'm doing a movie club for Friends From Work Plus subscribers, predestination it's called, on Monday for people on Friends From Work Plus. And we get our Miss Marvel episodes in a week and a half or so. So then we turn the page and we start looking towards Miss Marvel and Thor. Going to be an awesome next couple of weeks.
0: And if you are still getting caught up on all the the Marvel content and the Friends from Work content, there is plenty of Moon Knight and Doctor Strange and all manner of other things that we've covered in the past few weeks. Um, So delve into all that. And we will be back right here next week on Friends from Work.